Good morning and welcome to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make our community such a great place to live, work, and raise a family. Here's your host for East Tennessee Now. Good morning, Ed. Thank you so much for joining me. It is the holiday season and something really special going on this year over at Grace Baptist Church in Seymour. It is a drive-through live nativity, and I have Pastor Butch Stovall joining me this morning to tell us all about it, all the the work that's been going on behind the scenes to make this go smoothly and beautiful for the season. Good morning, Pastor. Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Busy time of year over at the church. It is. It is for everybody. It is for everybody. And your congregation working on something new this year? We wanted to do something special to unite us more as a church family and to share something special with the community. And so how did you come up with the drive-through live nativity? Our church campus really is favorable for that sort of event. We wanted to do something different and something that would reach out to the uh, to the community in a way that they don't often see. And these live events are fewer and far between now. And so we wanted to get together and, and put out something that they could actually drive through and see and just get the, the special meaning of Christmas and just how uh, our Savior had such humble beginnings in his life here on earth, uh, born to poor parents, in a very insignificant way and in a very insignificant place. Bethlehem was not a big roaring town at that time. And um, it it was just a very special event that we wanted to share and remind people just what humble beginnings Jesus had here on earth. And you're opening this to the public. It's not just for the church. It is. It is open to the public. We invite everybody to come and, and drive through. Uh, because of uh, this being our first year and not knowing exactly what the turnout will be, we're going to make it a drive-through only event because we may have limited parking to where people would not be able to park and spend as much time just standing there looking at it as we would like for them to. So we're going to make it a drive-through only where they just drive through, see the different scenes. We'll have three different scenes. We'll have a, a scene with the wise men, a scene with the shepherds, and the manger scene. And then they'll be able to just drive on out of the parking lot. I'm sure it's taken a lot of people, a lot of planning. A a lot of planning has been going on since August. Uh, We've had people in charge of traffic control, people in charge of costumes, people in charge of uh, sets, designing the sets, people building the sets. A lot of people have put in a lot of hours on this. Any special people we want to throw some names out or do they know who they are? (laughs) <laughs> well, they know who they are for the most part, but Ray Golden is uh, a member of our church. He's a master craftsman, can build about anything, mm-hmm. and he has built our manger scene. And uh, we have three ladies that have worked hard on costumes, my wife being one, Cindy Stovall, and Mary Kilzer and Candy Burke. They have all worked very hard in getting the costumes ready for the wise men and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph. And uh, Bob and Jim Barnes have worked a lot on the, on the um, traffic flow and the safety there and, and on some on the sets, too. So these are a few of the many people that have really put in a lot of hours. 
on yeah. this project. Three different scenes, costumes, the planning involved. You've got the traffic flow down. You have sheriff's deputies with Sevier County going to be helping you keep traffic moving and keep everyone nice and safe. <laughs> yes, we wanted to make sure everybody was able to get on and back on to Boyd's Creek Highway since we sit on the corner of Smothers Road and Boyd's Creek Highway. We wanted to make sure everybody was safe. That's our first concern is everybody's safety. So uh, two uh, sheriff's deputies from the Sevier County Sheriff's Department have agreed to come and, and help us in that respect. And we appreciate them very much, not only for that event, but the job that they do and, and all of their coworkers every day. Absolutely. And you have some very special guests joining you for this live nativity from the Little Ponderosa Zoo in Clinton. Yes, they have been uh, very great to work with. They will be providing us with uh, uh, several sheep some goats, some donkeys, and probably one that will be the star of the show as far as the animals go, we will have a camel, a live camel, and you don't see those around very much anymore. So you think that will be a big draw? I would say that would be a big draw. <laughs> oh, uh, beautiful. This sounds so wonderful. And how did this come about with the little Ponderosa Zoo? I started calling around. I started with the Knoxville Zoo, and they did not have camels, but they directed me to to contact some people. I ended up contacting some people in Georgia and, and West Tennessee, and they directed me right back to this area. I was not familiar with the little Ponderosa at that time, and they directed me back to them, and they had everything we needed. So it, it worked out great. And so they're going to be bringing the animals to you? And they will be bringing the animals that afternoon. They will be there as people drive through, and then they'll be loading up and heading back back home. So wow. yeah, we appreciate their work. Yes, that that is really wonderful because, you know, the Little Ponderosa Zoo is nonprofit, and it's family-owned and operated. And, right. And family-run. Yes. And um, so, yeah, when you get a chance... Come on out and see the little Ponderosa zoo animals, including one of their camels, goats, sheep, all in a live nativity scene, or actually three scenes over at Grace Baptist Church. This is on Saturday, December 11th from 6 till 8 o'clock, and I guess you can go through as many times as you want to. (laughs) I'm sure people may not be able to see everything the first time, and they may want to circle back through a second or third time, and that's fine. There's lots to see. The wise men, the shepherds, angels, of course, Joseph, Mary, baby Jesus, the the full show there. So we wish you luck. This sounds very exciting. And I know this is something you've been looking forward to. It, it is. We've, uh, we've been looking forward to it for several months now. And as crunch time gets here, it gets a little intense, but mm-hmm. we're excited about it and we're looking forward to sharing this with the whole Seymour community. And what does Grace Baptist Church in Seymour have planned for holiday church services? We will have our uh, Sunday morning Bible study at 930 for all age groups. We have our uh, Sunday morning worship service at 1045. And then we have our midweek Bible study at 630 on Wednesday evenings. Getting ready for the holidays. Is there anything else your church is involved with at this time? That's This is pretty much consuming us right now. We're, <laughs> we're a small congregation. And uh, But we're anxious to grow, looking to grow, and would love to have some young families in their 20s and 30s and 40s that have children. Uh, we would really welcome them. We are a, we're a loving church family that feels a lot like family. 
and uh, we we look forward to to helping anybody that we can in any way that we can and uh, our main purpose is just to spread the news good news of Jesus Christ and his work of salvation for us and that is our that's our goal that's our purpose and and we're hoping to do that through this live nativity I think you'll get some new members. That sounds like a wonderful time. This is Grace Baptist Church in Seymour, drive-through live nativity, and you guys are located on... 113 Smothers Road. We're actually on the corner of Smothers Road and Boyd's Creek Highway. We're about three-quarters of a mile off of Chapman Highway on Boyd's Creek Road. Saturday, December 11th, it is from 6 until 8 o'clock. Let's hope for good weather so we can have the windows down and maybe if you have a convertible or uh, some type of... Yes, that <laughs> yeah, would be great. come cruising through, something like that. But of course, fun and cautiously. Our main concern is people be safe. Mm-hmm. So as they come through, we just ask them to drive really slow, kind of pay attention, enjoy the, the nativity scenes, but kind of watch where you're going as you're driving. Maybe the driver needs to pay less attention to the scenes and more important, the driving. But just keep moving at a very slow pace, and we'll have people there to kind of help keep the traffic moving and flowing. And will people be able to get to meet you, Pastor Stovall? I I will be there. Yeah, okay. This is all happening once again December 11th. This is Saturday from 6 until 8 o'clock. It is their first drive-through live nativity, and we've been talking with Pastor Butch Stovall, I want to wish you very Merry Christmas. Thank you, and the same to you and all the listeners. I just hope everybody has a very, very blessed holiday season and Christmas, and to remember just what it's all about. It is the holiday season, time to be with our family and our friends and gathering together. But for some thousands of children in our state alone, they won't have a family to be with this holiday season. Families are needed to open their homes and their hearts. There is a huge need for foster families right now. I have Eddie Smith, who is the Director of Organizational Advancement at Child Help Tennessee, joining us here this morning. Eddie, thanks for being here. Well, thank you so much, and good morning. Good morning. And and I hate to see this number. I hate to see any numbers. I wish it was zero. But more than 8,000 children just in Tennessee alone are not in a permanent home. Correct. A little over 8,000 children have been placed into foster care due to either um, substance abuse of their bio parents, abuse or neglect that those children have endured. And and it's a staggering number. You know, we wish that number were lower, but it continues to grow month over month. And as a matter of fact, you know, one of the startling statistics is we've got more children in the Knoxville metro area. So Knox plus the eight counties that touch us, we have more children that have been placed in foster care in this area than any other major metro area in the state. We beat Shelby County by almost 350 and there's more than 600 more kids in foster care than in the Davidson County area, which is Nashville. Which, yeah, you touched on Memphis and the Nashville areas, which you would think they might have a little bit more because them being a, a bigger city. But why is that? Why is it Knoxville, the Knoxville area? I think it has to do with how our population is probably spread out a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and, and the fact that we've got um, and, and have been the epicenter in the state for the opioid uh, epidemic and and you see what's happening now with the overdoses that are being attributed to um, other drugs that we're seeing through the medical examiner's office of what the DA constantly puts out. 
So it's really more just our geography. And then when you look at it, Shelby County only has about three other counties that touch it. We have eight. Davidson County has more, but most of the population is either in Davidson or Murfreesboro. So uh, our, our population is just spread out a little bit differently than those other areas. So geography plays a little bit into it, mm-hmm. but a lot of it goes back to just the um, the drug problem that we have in this region. And how did the pandemic affect child mm-hmm. help and foster care? And- it, it, it really has affected the entire system. Um this last year, Governor Bill Lee uh, put out a call. He wanted to see 500 net new homes open up across the state. Because of the pandemic, because a lot of families have been you know, having to take care of their own kids or they've been having to work from home, it, it's just disrupted our daily lives. Where he wanted to be at 500 net new homes, we're actually at a net negative 80 homes right this minute. So before June of next year, not only child help, but every private provider uh, and DCS across the state, we're trying to find 600 homes right this minute um, that just people who are willing to open up their heart and say, I want to help a child who has suffered abuse, neglect. Uh, they've come through something horrible where they've had to be taken out of the home and placed into foster care. This is not their fault or their dreams or their wishes. And sometimes it's so hard for them, too. You think about that child and your parents are all you know sometimes. But there are situations that it's not right or at that time for them to be with their families. Correct. You know, I don't think anybody wakes up on any given morning as a child and says, I really hope I get taken out of my home today. That's not what children wake up. What they all children really need to know is that they are in a safe, loving home. And when something breaks that, it causes disruption in that child's life. And one of the things that we also know from the data is every time you move a child in placement, they lose about one-third of a GPA point on their educational trajectory. So if you think about it, if a child is taken out of their home, placed into a foster home, removed out of that, and placed into permanency, that's three disruptions. If they're a 4.0 perfect student, they're now a 3.0 student. And what we know that a lot of the children that have come through because mom or dad or, you know, grandparents have either abused or neglected, you know, so they've not had even the supports to achieve great educational outcome. So they're already suffering from that. And then you have those disruptions. So, you know, their educational trajectory is affected. Their health is affected. Their social and, and, and mental health is affected. That's why one of the things that we provide every one of the children that have been placed in our foster program is free access to mental health therapy uh, that they can get help to start healing from that complex trauma that they've suffered. And adding to that, you have a lot of resources, not only for the children within the system, within child help, but actually for the parents who are willing to open their homes. Correct. You know, uh, a lot of times people think, well, I'm going to become a foster parent and then I just get placed a child in my home and it, good luck. Well, that's not what we do. We actually, our, our care coordinators walk side by side. They're in the home helping. You have access to 24-7 crisis care. Uh, again, the children that we um, help primarily have suffered some complex trauma. Uh, it's usually more than one and it's over a, a long period of time. And those children are going to have issues. So we have 24-7 crisis care where they can get um, somebody on the phone or our care coordinator will be at your house. It doesn't matter if it's 2 o'clock in the morning. They're coming to your house to help. The other thing that we do 
is through our development department, we fundraise and we get community support to mm-hmm. make sure that every single child in your home, whether it's your bio child or the child that you're taking care of in the foster care, every single one of the children has a great Christmas. We provide Christmas gifts. Uh, we've got incredible donors like the Regal Variety Foundation and the Thompson Charitable Trust that provide extra money to help with clothing assistance to make sure those kids have access to great clothing because, again, we want to remove the stigma that children in foster care have hand-me-down clothes. We want them to look just like their peers so that it removes any chance of bullying in school. So there's just a lot of additional supports that we bring to bear to help every single family. And one of the things that we're starting a campaign right now through uh, the next six months, which, which really is just centered around what we want you to imagine is that you hold that hope. Uh, every single child deserves to be celebrated this Christmas. They deserve to be loved. So you as an individual hold that hope and you can open up your heart and your home to provide a great, safe, loving environment for a child in need. And what are the requirements? Because there's got to be some, obviously. You know, the requirements are really quite simple. The only thing that we require, because, again, we're dealing uh, all of our homes are therapeutic foster homes, is we ask that the individual wanting to foster be uh, over the age of 25. It doesn't matter whether you're married or single. Um, So really, it's just about, you know, and and you've got to make sure that you've got um, room to place a child in your home. So a futon in the corner isn't really what we're looking for. We're looking for a bedroom. But that's really about the requirements uh, of what we're looking for. And again, we've got our recruiter trainers will walk side by side with you through the trainings that we have coming up all throughout 2022. We plan on doing one training a, a month. And what we ask people to do is come to the first one. The first meeting is really just say informational, come learn more. You're not, we're not asking you to marry us on the first date. We're just asking you to go with us on the first date, if you will. Uh, so just come to one of those info sessions to learn more and to really see how a therapeutic foster home works and what we're looking for to care for these kids. And sometimes these kids are, have siblings as well. They and do. how hard, how much more difficult is it to place when there's more than one kid involved? Typically, it's extremely difficult. What we have been very fortunate with is we've got a lot of wonderful parents that, you know, we've got some uh, foster parents that have been with us that have fostered over 20 kids. And they love, uh, their kids moved out long ago and they did, they were too young to be grandparents yet and, and too old to start a brand new family. So they wanted not to be empty nesters. And that's really kind of the bread and butter of what we've had for the last several years. Um, We've been fortunate through the pandemic. We talked about the need. We've had a lot of single women that have really come to become foster parents. And we always look to make sure that the placement is right. So we're not just going to pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, we've got so-and-so coming. We really look and we, we look at the kids that are being referred to us And we try and make sure that that matches with what you have indicated that you're really kind of looking for to make sure that that's a right placement. Because the worst thing that could happen is a child placed in your home and it doesn't work because that's another disruption in that child's life. And it seems as badly as you need these homes and as quickly, it's a process to find the right fit, like working with your schedule and your needs as well as the children's needs. 
Yeah, we take all of that into account, our recruiter trainers. Again, that's where the recruiter trainers come in so key is because they get to know every single prospective foster parent. We go out to coffee. You know, we really want to know what's going on in your life so that we can find the right placement that will fit in perfectly. Because again, the worst thing that can happen is that we put a child somewhere, it doesn't work out, and we're having to disrupt that child once again. We work very hard to find the right placement. And you must have some wonderful success stories. We do. I I can think right this minute. There was a case, it's still being adjudicated, but there was a a severe abusive case that came out Mm -hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago. And we were, um, because of what we do, we were asked to take care of the children in that case. Uh, They were in our um, foster family agency. And just in the last few months, those children have all been adopted. So those children have found permanency. It's not that they just found, you know, were put into a safe, loving home. They found their forever home. And what I wish, if you could have seen how those children came to us versus how they are now, uh, it is night and day different. Simple things that you and I would take for granted that these children couldn't do, and now they're running with their peers and, and excelling academically. They're just healthy and happy. There's countless stories like that. I mean, another one that I can think of is there was a sibling set of four um, many years ago that came into our care. Well, those children all got adopted and lived with this family. One of them is now going to college at Tennessee Tech, uh, and she's getting her degree in social work. She wants to go back into the field to help other kids who are like her. Wonderful. One of the other uh, children is um, in the finance world. He's moving up in the finance world. One of the other children who is still in college at this time is actually uh, going to the Mississippi State Culinary Institute and wants to become a chef. So, again, you look at where they were headed and where, where, what they came out of, and they were bouncing from home to home in the, the system, and they finally found a safe, loving, permanent home that ended up adopting them, and now those children are succeeding and, and contributing back to society. Wow. Don't you want to be one of those type of people? Yeah, I love hearing the success stories. Wonderful. I grew up in a loving home, even though my parents were divorced and things happened, but we always had a warm house. We always had food on the table. We always had clothes. And you got to think, gosh, that's going to be hard for some of these kids. They're going through the system and they don't have that permanency. That's one more of those levels of trauma. People don't think about the disruption. So not only do you have the trauma of what may have happened in that child's past, but then the trauma of them being removed. So that's where the complex trauma comes into play. And that's why we have that uh, free mental health counseling to make sure that we help those children. We're not just placing them into foster care, but we've also got to help get them back to a place where they can live out to their full God-given potential um, in life. And that's what our ultimate goal is. And it sounds like you would have a a lot of... Well, we, as we mentioned, the resources, but as well as other parents, too, who have gone through this where you can, I guess, lean on, ask for advice from, ask questions. Well, we promise not to sing, but if you remember the song, <laughs> Lean On Me, um, that's what our existing foster family parents, the ones that have been in with us for a long time, they act as mentors for new foster parents so that there's someone that they can call, ask for advice. 
We also have a national hotline, 1-800-4-CHILD, that not only can our foster parents reach out and call, but anyone in the country, if there's an issue they're dealing with, they can call that number, and we have master-level degree counselors staffing that hotline 24-7 to be able to help anyone anywhere in the country. Wow. Because you know, you never know what time of day. I know I'm hopping all around here, but it just each, each time you say something, Eddie, it makes me think of, you know, poor child being homeless, basically, and thinking they get pulled out of their home. They might have had a comfy home and th- thought everything was good. Then there was underlying issues and they get yanked during the middle of the night because their parents can't care for them or it's unsafe. And then where do they end up for there? It's the middle of the night, right? Well, you know, one of the things that talking about a story, I can tell you through our therapy program, we ask every year for kids to draw what was Christmas like in your house, Mm -hmm. you know, because we want to use that on our Christmas card that we send out to all of our donors just to say Merry Christmas. And one came across my desk. And when I asked the therapist, it was a very naked Christmas tree Mm -hmm. um, with one present underneath it. And uh, what you saw was mom and dad yelling at each other. So that child's idea of a perfect Christmas was one present, but mom and dad yelling at each other. I don't think any of us would say that's what our Christmas was like. I can remember growing up Christmas morning, you wake up and there's presents, lots of presents under the tree. The tree then, exploded with presents. Yeah, I mean, like literally, I mean, how did Santa fit all of that into his bag? <laughs> right. Um, you know, I always wanted to be Santa Claus, you know, growing up because it's like he's got the coolest job in the world. <laughs> yeah. Don't have that opinion right this second after, <laughs> you know, being a parent myself. Um, it's mm-hmm. a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa has a, a tough job. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where you can't imagine what some of these children have experienced that you and I take for granted every single day. And that's why we're asking people just to say, you know what, again, you hold that hope. You hold the hope for providing a safe, loving home for that child. You hold that hope for providing uh, a safe, loving environment for them to have a meal, for getting a great education. Um, That's why we're just asking people, come learn more at one of our info sessions in 2022. You can go to childhelpfosters.org. Uh, and just click on the Tennessee link and you can find out more. You can contact our staff. We are there to answer questions uh, anywhere, um, any time of day. Our our recruiters are available to answer questions that you may have. Uh, but just come learn more uh, and just don't just say so that somebody else is going to take care of it. You can be the person that holds that hope for the child in need in our community. Are you able to tell us any of the stories without saying any names or anything, some of the situations, why these kids had to come in and what they were faced with? Not of any of our current cases Mm -hmm. um, because there's um, HIPAA laws that we have to abide by. Um, Again, I can tell you about, you know, the one that I told you about Lucas, you know, and at our tailgate event this past year at World's Fair Park. And Lucas, the one that I told you about, the culinary arts student, we actually had Mississippi State students that were serving food. And Lucas, uh, we found out through the professor, said, oh, hey, I was adopted through child help. So we actually found out. We didn't even know he was in that program when we asked the program to help serve food. We found out about it through an email, contacted Lucas, and he allowed us the permission to share his story. And again, what happened was he and his three siblings were bouncing from home to home inside the DCS system. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, trying to find one home for four children is extremely difficult. So they were just constantly moved around. And and Lucas shares that he felt like no one actually cared. And it was heartbreaking. 
enter one of our foster parents, Leslie Holmes and Phil Holmes at the time, and they said, you know what? We've got room and we've got um, space. We want to take all four of these children. They ended up adopting all four of them. Uh, and really it's the success of having them being willing to just say, we'll take these children, we will adopt them, we will make them our own, and then working with them to make sure they graduated, that they got their education. You just look at the success of what those children are doing now. Um, that, that's probably one because, again, it takes the, the timeline is so long uh, to get to a success story. So it just takes sometimes 10, 15 years before we're able to share a success story of what may have happened. Does it make you feel good? It does. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it, it's as we get ready to enter the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays, everybody wants to be close to family. But now imagine January and February and March, uh, the dead of winter when what we call the winter blues, and it's really just, you know, the winter depression sets in. Imagine that for one of these children, and you can be the difference maker in that child's life this upcoming winter season. We're talking with Eddie Smith, who is the Director of Organizational Advancement for Child Help Tennessee. Give them a call or jump online and see what you can do to possibly donate some time, talent, or maybe even open your home. I'm Michelle Silva. Thanks for listening. Remember, East Tennessee Now is available on demand as a podcast from iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Silva, and I'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to East Tennessee Now, a weekly public affairs program featuring some of the people and organizations that make Knoxville and East Tennessee such a great place to live. If you have a suggestion for the program, we'd love to hear from you. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 27100. Knoxville, Tennessee, 37927, or call the studios at 865-525-6000. That's 865-525-6000. East Tennessee Now is a presentation of Midwest Communications Company.